Hey, road trippers, welcome to another episode of Road Tripping. Look, it's summertime, you know, it's time for the family trips, time for trips with all the friends. Have you been stalling on booking a trip like I have? Well, the nerds at NerdWallet are here to help you. Take the first step towards making your dream a reality. NerdWallet's team of nerds research hundreds of the top credit cards, mortgages, and so much more so you can easily compare and find what's right for you. Maybe you're looking for some quality in-person fun with your friends or watching your favorite team live and in person. NerdWallet can help you compare and find the right travel credit cards with a sign-up bonus to use on flights to the game. Ready to compare your way there? Take the first step by discovering the smartest credit card mortgages and more today at nerdwallet.com and MLS when I say resentment, yeah. it's not like people did. Like, they're the two most likable superstars. I mean, did you see the parade at First Clay? Did you see the amount of fumbles? Of like, the hat running over the lady dropping no, no, the ring. Yeah, but it's, but I, yeah. Yeah, that's the- amazing. Welcome to this edition of Road Trippin' with RJ and Channing, or lack thereof this week with Channing. I'm your host, Allie Clifton. Um, Rich, it's just you and I today. Um, having go. said that, I do find it kind of odd. Every once in a while, we have to give our guy a hard time that you guys are both in the same city, kind of for the same reason. Um, you actually are probably doing more because you're everything. More, way more. We'll get into that. Way, we'll get into that conversation yeah, later. Um, but you're in the same city for the same reason. It is Kevin Love's wedding this weekend, and yet Channing mm-hmm. can't do the podcast with us. Well, and it is Kevin's <laughs> Love's wedding, right? And yeah. it's the draft. It's the draft. Uh, <clears throat> so I am. But working. Channing's not doing anything um, for the draft. <laughs> I know, but you know, it's our guy. That's why that's why we love him. He actually texted me. I haven't had a response chance to respond back to him. He texted me. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? He goes he goes, What are you doing today, fucktard? And I was like, Bro, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm doing a lot of things. I'm like, I am doing our podcast. Then I gotta go to work for a few hours. But yeah, maybe at like eight, you know, I actually I'm cleared before the draft, which is a good news. But but that's it. So I'm just working, working and then I'm gonna go meet up with those idiots. Oh my God, that's going to be so much fun. Are you guys excited? Are you excited? Is Kevin excited? Yeah, I am excited. Me and Channing are emceeing that wedding. So all the road tripping uh, people, they understand what that's about to be. So uh, yeah, so that's going to be fun. So Uh, Kate approved of that. Okay. It was actually Kate's idea because I think they somebody might have asked him like, hey, do you guys have somebody that you might want to emcee a wedding? And I will give a little credit to our guy, Geeter. I actually reached out to him as like, hey, now anybody that doesn't know this, Chris McGee Geeter, uh, he works for, for Spectrum, has been on this podcast many times. He is the master, the master emceeer of any event. He is next level, best I've ever seen, and I've seen some, some Hall of Famers. So I even reached out to him for a little, a little input. Can you give us a little bit of his advice? Because I actually have, I've been to a wedding actually that he officiated. Is that, is that the yeah, he officiates proper term? Yeah. Officiated. yeah, he officiates yeah. weddings and then he does like a little intro for the bride and groom and all, all of the groomsmen. We have a small wedding party, so it's a little bit different, but Geeter does hours of research, like almost researching a game. He'll go down in people's Instagrams, he'll find out about their grandmother, their ex-boyfriend, <laughs> all, all the jokes that he can do just so that Geeter, Geeter only wants to be the, the third most important person at the wedding behind the two people who are getting married, but he wants to steal the show. That's the type of effort he puts in. I'm not going to go that far, but yeah, it'll be a good time. <laughs> uh, how many drinks will you have consumed by the time you grab that mic? Are you a liquid Lots. courage guy? <laughs> 
No, no. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, I do not need liquid. I do not need liquid for courage. But I will say this. When I do have liquid, oh, it's an issue. No, you know what? I, we got to check. We have some meetings because we we're a part of the wedding like like thing. And yeah. so we have some meetings. So I'm going to see how much we have. So I'm going to see how much we have. And it's it's kind of split duties between Channing and I. So that means that just like this, uh, I'm going to do like 90% of the work. I'm just kidding, Channing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to give our him shit because he's not here. Uh, I love our guy. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, bro, I'm working. What are doing you doing? Doing the what podcast, doing? actually. That's what we're doing. Um, doing. All right. Yeah, doing. Yeah. So let's get into the finals are over. <laughs> <laughs> Easy transition. Yeah, finals are over. Uh, but before we do, yeah. I guess we should congrats and shout out to, to Kate and Kevin. That's that's awesome. Congrats yes. to them on shout out to our people. their marriage and their love. So um, the yeah. finals are over. Finally, do you have you been able to take a breath yet? Uh, no, I have not. I have not been able to take a breath because we go finals, then we go draft, then we go free agency, then we go summer. After summer league is when, for us in the media, we get to kind of take a little bit of a break. So that's the part that becomes a little bit more beneficial for us in that space. So um, I was home for three and a half days. You and I did some yoga together. We were chilling. Everybody was everybody was kicking it. And then it was back on a plane. My plane got diverted from uh, New York to land in Chicago for a few hours. So I got here at about 1 a.m. And because I'm an idiot, uh, my assistant, Naila, um, I went to the Jane Hotel. And I was like, hey, they don't have a reservation after being delayed four hours. And getting it. she's like, Richard, it's at the James. I'm like, James, Jane, what's the difference? <laughs> right? Uh, I was like, I don't know there how is. this hotel identifies. Okay, having said that, um, congrats to the Warriors. I will say the other day, again, people know this, I, I work on the Laker Network, and um, we showed some highlights of the parade. I think our in, there was a couple different angles. Obviously, the LeBron and Draymond, the Draymond questions, him walking around with a bottle of Lobos, it was an easy segue. And then he got comments yeah. or questions, if you will, from the media about comparing who is tougher to go up against, the Boston Celtics or LeBron James. And respectfully, I don't know if you heard the the soundbite from Draymond. He said oh, that's a disrespect. Yes. Okay. There you go. So we talked about that. We also talked about obviously Michael Thompson is our color analyst uh, on the radio side mm -hmm. for the Lakers and Clay. So we showed some different kind of clips, and it, it took the Lakers back into obviously the the many championships and parades that they have um, got to endure. But some fans were like, why are you showing the Warrior Parade highlights on the Laker network? And I don't think they were as happy. However. No, they uh, don't play. Like, this, this was a Lakers fan's nightmare. And as much as they hate the Golden State Warriors, there will never be a team that they hate more than the Boston Celtics. They would rather have the Warriors win 10 in a row than have the Celtics win one. That's yes. how much they hate them. Yeah, that's so how much it, they hate the Celtics. But it kind of takes us in to the point of how great the Warriors have been. And you talked about mm -hmm. it the entire finals run, especially. Um, their fourth title in eight years. Um, they're being immediately compared to some of the best dynasties in NBA history. Let's start there. And then I know you have some thoughts about um, things that came out of this championship as well. No, I no, I, this is look, they are a dynasty. Like it's hard when you're living in it to like acknowledge it. Like Jordan and them won six championships in 8 years. Jordan took 2 years off. Where the Warriors won four championships in 8 years and had uh 
one basically had three i would say two and a half seasons where everyone was injured right because two seasons clay missed and then they got both him and kd got hurt during their finals run so you know this could have easily been two more championships it's like you know jordan respectfully took time off because you know of all of the stuff that was going on in his life respect that the Warriors were like forced. Kevin Durant left, and you can see that they like if Clay was 100% healthy, if all the different things that would happen, they would still be able to. They would. They might have won another championship. You know, in my opinion, you know, in this two-year window that Clay was hurt with an Achilles and an ACL, if he, you know, uh, if he would have been healthy, but. Uh, no, they are a dynasty, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. I still think that, like, there's nothing like your first championship, and I think their first one in 2015, I think that gives them the confidence. I know Allie was there. She's starting to smirk uh, about that. But I think this one is their most important. This is the one that solidifies them that, you know, they want it without, you know, the KD. They want it being banged up. They would never face elimination. Um, Draymond said it early. He's like, we were never beat when, when we were fully healthy. I'm like, Draymond, that's not 100% true. We talked about that. Uh, but, no, th- this this one is special, man. And, and uh, I am I am glad that we can sit back here now and we don't have to have any more Steph Curry legacy talks. We don't have to have any more of that. Not saying that his legacy is complete, but there is nothing left for him to accomplish other than to add to it. That's it. That's all he's that that's all he's doing is going to add to it. He's checked every box. He's done everything that he needs to and salute to him. He is one of the best superstars and one of the best people that I've ever been around, you know, especially given all the things that that that's been in his plate. You were a part of um, obviously the Cavs championship in 2016 and you know how much that one meant to Braun for various reasons. When you watched this one and for yourself as well, no disrespect, but I'm I'm saying yeah. from a standpoint of I think you saw a different kind of emotion from LeBron during that title than maybe you saw in his first two, obviously, in Miami. Though his first one obviously meant a lot to him. They all do. But my point here is, is when you watched the way in which the emotion came over Steph, what what did you kind of think of that? No, like, so I said it, I said it like, I said that the most important championship for Kobe Bryant was the first one that he won when Shaq left. Because there was a finals where where Shaq averaged 36. That was a young Kobe. It was probably, I want to say he graduated high school in 96. It was 2000. So he was probably 22, 23. He was young, super young. But he averaged about 16 in that finals and Shaq averaged 36. So the most important championship for Kobe was that first one that he won without Shaq. Because that solidified, like, like, look, like, we were a dynamic duo, but I can do this solo, especially because Shaq won that extra one in Miami. Now, even when he won his fifth one, he goes, there was, what does this mean to you? He goes, it means I have one more than Shaq. So like for all of us to not act like these players ain't counting rings, like those are lies. Like they might sit there when they're done and sit back and say, oh, I don't care about this stuff. That's a lie. So when I look at Kobe's one, I look at bronze in Cleveland, like that was it. That was his whole, if, in my opinion, if Bron had won one championship in his life and it was in Cleveland, that, because no player in history, we forget about that. No player in history is like, what am I going to do? I'm going to get drafted by my hometown team and I'm going to lead them to a championship. It's like, what? That's never been done in sports. Forget how they did it. Forget how he did it. It was like, who I was gonna say, get to first say, I'm like, gonna- I, First, I'm going to piss him off. I'm going to go somewhere else and yeah. win, and then, then I'm going to come back. And it's going to yeah, be all but, fine but he again. knew. He, but 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 like, these guys know. 
I, I know that they don't talk about legacy and they pass that off like they should, but they know Kobe knew how important winning a championship without Shaq was. Braun knew how important to his overall greatness, if he wants to be the best player to ever live, how important it was winning in Cleveland. And for Steph Curry, he knew he knew how important that final MVP was. He knew all the things. That's why the first words out of his mouth is, what are they going to say now? What are they going to say now? So he was harboring that. Like when he got up there, and, and Draymond, we know, Draymond's always popping off with receipts. But when Steph starts going up there and going at Perk and going at Foxworth, all those things, that's because like those are the energies that he harbored. And he said he's the petty king. Like That means he's paying attention to all that stuff. So this is by far the most important championship for him, and it falls in a line with the most important. And I, like I, I said it in the interview, I think, I think Kevin Durant's next championship will be the most important. Those are the ones where like you remove all doubt. That's when it becomes like special. I'm going to hang on to that um, that take you just had on Kevin Durant because I think it is a great segue into a spicy topic that's going on in the NBA right now, but we're not finished with this conversation. Uh, when it comes to Steph and the end of his legacy, um, where do you think he'll fall when it comes to all-time greats? I, I've never heard so many people right now, and it must be just kind of the moment, I guess, but so many people when you, know, you talk about the finals and the Warriors winning, they're so quick to be like, oh, that makes him number 10. Or as specific no, as, did, oh, he's the 11th best player. And I'm like, wait, no, what? I did, I, yeah, it's, 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 it's your list. It's who's your favorite player, who you idolize. Uh, my guy, but Andre. But he's up there. And, and look, yeah, fine, yeah, he's a top 10 player. Yeah, yeah, he's a top 10 player all time because everything he's doing is going to continue. It's like when mm -hmm. LeBron James breaks a scoring record, he's going to continue pushing it. So it's like, yeah. bro, you ain't got to pass Kareem anymore. You ain't got to get to that number. What you got to do is you got to play another probably two, three seasons to catch Braun. Um, I'll say this, right? And I'm as a, as a Magic Johnson fan and all this like stuff, like I, I don't like to compare. I just want to make sure that people understand like what you say when this, like Allen Iverson, what, what position is Allen Iverson? Point guard. Are we sure? Shooting guard. Yes. Allen Iverson's a shooting guard. Now he can play point. He can drop dimes. He can do all of those things. But we typically only call those Small guys forward. position. They're, they, no, but I'm saying we call them, but you just say them all. They call them that based off of their, but a lot of times it's based off of their size. It's based off of their mm -hmm. size, right? So, so like when you look at Allen Iverson, he was, he was a two guard. He had Eric Snow on his team during his most successful year. So oftentimes Eric Snow, he what he would do is he would play the point, let AI be the one, and then he would guard the two and let AI guard the one so that oh, AI wasn't forced <clears throat> to guard much bigger players. And it's, to me, it reminds me so much of who Steph is, right? And, and, you know, the way he plays, there is not one, there is not one attribute that you would contribute to Steph as a point guard. Right, and that's not a knock. Thank, Before you idiots start doing you. that. Before you idiots start stop doing that. He's the greatest shooter of all time. Greatest three-point shooter of all time. He is a shooting guard. He is a shooting guard, and it is a beautiful thing. But this is my theory. The reason why people want to call him a point guard is because they feel like he can move up that ranks of all-time shooting guards. Like I think he's, you know, if you say if you say point guards, the people that you talk about in recent basketball history a lot of times are Jason Kidd, Steve Nash. Um, no, no, yeah, no, thank you, no, thank you. Is, is, is it? No, yeah, yeah, leave it, leave it. Anyway, sorry about that. 
Um, when you talk about Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, John Stockton, that list, when you look at when you look at Steph's accolades, it's easy. There's only one guy that you would probably compare him to in modern day, right? It would be like the Isaiah Thomas. It would be the Magic Johnson. That's the only one. You know, obviously John Stockton with the assist and all that stuff. But when you look at two guards, they don't want to go down that two guard route because that two guard route includes MJ, which you know he can't do. Like that's not on him. When you talk about two guards, then you end up talking about you end up talking about Kobe Bryant. He, you don't want to start a Steph versus Kobe argument. So like, well, he's a point guard. It's like, okay, well, let's see this. Uh, does Steph initiate their offense? No. When is Steph is at his best? When he is off the ball, like a shooting guard. So all the success that they have, Draymond, Andre. Uh, Jarrett Jack, his first year when he played point, Jarrett Jack, or the first year when, when he broke the three-point record, Jarrett Jack was a point guard. Steph and Clay were the wings running around and knocking down threes. So it's hard for me to establish you as a point guard other than your height and your quote-unquote starting position when you play off the ball, you typically don't lead your team in assists. You know, don't quote me on that. I, I had to go back and check the stats. I know that's Draymond's Norman, the initiator of the offense. And then you have guys like Andre and Livingston, big wings that can handle the ball and distribute so he can play off the ball. So for me, that says if you look at every single thing of his criteria, where he's at his best, what his skill set is, it says shooting guard. But they don't want to compare him to other shooting guards because then you get to the MJ Kobe conversations, even Jerry West, and you just don't want to have those conversations. So they're like, he's a point guard, and we're going to compare him to Magic Johnson, who was all time in the league in but assists. But completely opposite. And you're like, completely opposite. He, the the skill set and the focus of what he does is different. <clears throat> One of the things, like for LeBron and Shaq, what do those two guys need? Shaq needed a late game finisher. LeBron mm -hmm. needs shooters around shooters. him because his skill set, his skill set says, if you put me with four shooters and defenders, we're going to go. Right. Mm -hmm. With Steph, it's like if you get me with intelligent people that know how to handle the basketball, I'm going to create havoc with my movement. And he is the greatest that we have ever seen at it. So nothing about that particular skill set. Not saying that Steph doesn't run their offense. Not saying that Steph doesn't do all of the things that a point guard does. It's basketball, positionless basketball. Basketball minds, basketball individuals understand what you, yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. It is positionless <clears throat> basketball, and Steph is one of the top ten players of all time because he's going to continue adding to it. If he were to stop today, there, you know that that's the argument. Uh, but I, I think the he's the greatest point guard, or he's surpassed Magic Johnson, who scored forty two as a as a rookie in the NBA Finals, you know, and has three you know Finals MVPs, has three MVPs. Let's slow down respectfully and not forget that also Michael Jordan's career, or Magic Johnson's career, was cut short, you know, due to all of the things that we know. So he probably had two or three more years, maybe not win a championship, but to add to some of these numbers. So that's my only thing. Steph is a bad man, top 10 all time, greatest shooter we've ever seen, and freaking good for him. Before we kind of close up this conversation, you want to give your props to Clay and Steph? Yeah, there, there's this one thing that I, I would say as being on their team and playing against them, um, you know, there's always been this underlying resentment um, just from like players. Like a lot of NBA players come from uh, very, you know, 
you know, different backgrounds. Some come from nothing. And so I think there was a little bit of, of I don't want to say resentment, but some of like, you didn't have the same path as like a lot of other guys that came from different backgrounds. Steph and Clay's parents both, or dads both played in the NBA. So in your brain, you think money for trainers, money for camps, money for shoes. Like I remember putting, having holes in my shoes and having to put a little cardboard in it so that I could keep rocking because that toe had worn down so much. Like there was a grind. There was a, you know, you know, there was a, you know, a, a, an idea that that's where like you have to fight to get there. And I think there was always, there was a little bit of resentment from players when it came to Steph and Clay. It's like, what adversity have these guys had to get here? Well, they've had a ton. But in the same breath, I've heard NBA players talk about the stress that might come from, that might come from their own kids. I've talked, I've talked to Bron and seen the, the stress that he feels like Bronny and Bryce have to deal with shit. They made a movie about it in Space mm -hmm. Jam 2, right? I've, I've talked to different guys like Rondo and different guys that are like, man, I've just, you know, I put pressure on my kids. Like, you know, I named Richard Little Richard, Luke Walton, you know, one of my best friends in the entire world, you know, coming from his dad. They have a different type of pressure and expectation that people don't fully respect. So while they didn't come from a single parent household or a parent that had nothing or, or you know, raised by a great, like they didn't have that background. So a lot of guys would look at them like, they didn't have that background. So a lot of guys would look at them like, oh, these kids were private school kids and they had it easy and their dad, you know, his dad taught them how to shoot and Clay grew up around the Lakers. That couldn't be any further from the truth. Like Steph went to Davidson, Clay went to Washington State, and Washington State some shit. We would beat them like 26 straight times. But they didn't have this easy path. I'm just throwing a shot. They didn't have this easy path. And I think that a lot of times there's this misconception that because they came from dads of that, that were great players, their path was easy. It was different, but the pressure on them in these moments when it's time to perform was actually harder was actually harder and I just want to make sure that 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 people understand while they might have come from fortunate backgrounds their path one of my favorite all-time quotes is hard, hard work harder beats than talent when talent doesn't work hard no matter what that path is and again I think we all are mature enough to understand that like everyone's path is different it doesn't mean that yours is more or less than the next person like they still have had to work and I think that's the one thing that they both can say about themselves is the place in which they've got to it's not just because they're dads it's not just Damn because right. of the position that they're in and, and i'll take this one step further just for myself no. i got a lot of that hate and and i know we all have a scrapbook but in high school i'm a principal's kid and everyone thought just because i was the high school principal's daughter i was on varsity as a freshman no i worked my ass off i was in the gym every single day every single morning when that mm. freaking alarm clock went off and i didn't want to get up and my dad screaming across the hallway yeah. yeah did i have the keys to the door yeah but i also have teammates that could have asked to come with me i still think that there is a you also exactly. use those keys so you have to use I those respect keys. and i love that you wanted to address that mm -hmm. and talk about that um and, and i think you can take it full circle too to right now we just had sharif o'neal who is obviously in the draft or, or wanting to be drafted and the conversation that came down when you talk about pressure Shaq didn't want him to go to the draft he wanted him to stay for another year because Shaq and rightfully so I respect all of this he's a big guy uh, when it comes to education and he wanted Sharif to stay in school and guess what Sharif said at 22 years old I I know what I want I'm ready for this I want to take this opportunity and he believes in himself and i think there is that whole understanding of wanting to create your own especially when your father has done so much already 
you know, and he is his, his name, but you want to create that own name for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I love that, that perspective that you gave. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and look, when, when, I, when I just want to make sure people understand when I say resentment, yeah. it's not like people did like, they're the two most likable superstars. I mean, did you see the parade line, for clay? Right? Did you uh, see the amount the of fumbles, of like, the hat running over the lady dropping no, no, the ring? Yeah, but it's, but I, yeah, yeah. That's the, Amazing. Look, I had Clay as a rookie, and when I tell you Clay is Clay is one of the most all-time people that you will ever see and experience. But I don't think that like I, I think some mm-hmm. of it's weighing down because they've obviously earned their stripes. But I think these are the moments where you look at and it's like Clay like coming mm-hmm. back from the injuries. They don't have shit to do with his dad coming back from those injuries and having to do put in that work for two years. They don't have shit to do with his pops. That that's about what's in him. And so uh, I just think, like, I, I definitely want to make sure that, that we acknowledge that, you know, because those guys are just different. And greatest Mark Jackson, shout out, said they were the greatest shooting backcourt that he'd ever seen. In 2012, wow. he said that. 2012. Then 10 years later, these dudes have won four championships. Because they work. And been they to, work. Been they work. They finals. work. They put work into their craft. They're everything but lazy. Oh, what a what a perfect opportunity! Before oh, Richie oh, here respond, we go. Here we go. Uh, earlier this week, to kind of set this up, we're gonna allow Shannon Sharp mm-hmm. to do the job for us. This is what was said um, this week on Undisputed when Shannon Sharp wanted to react to what Richard had to say on Michelle Beadle's podcast um, about working on other sports. Take a listen. You're being lazy, Richard. Mm-hmm. You should want to go out and learn more about football. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more about basketball, so I watch intently every single game so I can talk about football. I can talk about basketball. I can talk about Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. I can talk about George Floyd because I read. I've immersed myself in that. Yep. And I feel very comfortable when I sit out here and that camera's on me. I feel very confident that I'm talking with a pretty good degree of certainty. I feel very comfortable in what I'm saying. So that's the difference. All right, Rich. So Shannon Sharp has called, and you're lazy. Your approach is lazy. Well, okay. So okay, this is the context. I, I basically on beat. Yeah, on Beatles podcast, I said like I don't want to do that job. I don't want to do and sit and talk all, all sports. And I said that like you have to. I, I said one. I don't want to learn fucking football. I, I made a joke about that with Beatle. Um, and I, and I, the, the idea is basically this. There, and, and, and so I did a TikTok about it. I posted it, and I'm probably going to post it on more social medias in a second. But the idea is this. When you do this job, Ali, as you know, there's hosting, there's analysts, there's, there's people that are doing studio shows, there are people that are calling games. There's, like, there's so many different things in the sports thing, but mm-hmm. you feel like they're all the same, and they couldn't be any further from different. And so um, I decided that I didn't want to just be a talking head. I don't want to sit in a studio 360 days a year and talk about all the sports. What I decided to do is be a specialist in basketball. So I focus on calling games. I focus on hosting shows. So it's like, hey, everybody, welcome to this. That's a very different job, as you know, as Ali, one of the best hosts, multi-Emmy winner. Like, you know, that's very different than being an analyst of like you asking me a question and me going. So I've, I've spent time on, on my skill. And he was like, well, you're, you should want to sit in this seat, Richard. You should want to learn more about football. And I was like, 
Don't tell me what I should want to do because my career path is different to yours. And I have so much respect for, for Shannon Sharp. And he is right. He has overcome so much because so many people thought that he couldn't do something. So now he feels like it's his job to challenge people to do what he's done and follow in his footsteps. Except I don't want to be him. I don't, I don't have a desire to do that. And I respect that. No different than I didn't have a desire to be a point guard. That is not how I wanted to. That's not how I wanted to use my skill set. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And for me, I just took offense because I understand what he's saying and I know what he's trying to do. I, I get it. But he just missed the mark with saying some of the things he said. He talked about like, well, you know, I'm well read so I can I can, you know, talk about different issues. I can talk about the different things going on in the world, which would imply that somebody doesn't want to do that work to sit in that seat, which couldn't be any further from the truth. And so even one of the things that he said, he's like, you know, when I watch the game and I focus on basketball, I watch on mute so that he doesn't get, you know, nobody else's ideas and thoughts come into his brain is based off what he see. Well, if he would turn it up just a little bit, he would see how much he would be hearing my voice calling those games. And Ali, you know this from calling Sparks games. How many hours do you have to prep for a game? One, it doesn't stop because you're constantly watching games and you're constantly on social media. You're constantly reading um, articles, et cetera. But I would say I put in for one game anywhere between five how to seven many hours. hours on one game. And guess how much, guess how much you actually use? Five to seven hours. Uh, Three percent. <laughs> Very little. You got to have it all. Three percent. So like that, that's, that's the thing about it is that like you can find ways and stuff. But for me, it's like, yo, that's where I decided to put my energy and that's where I decided. So when I say I don't want to talk about football and I don't want to sit around being a talking head, it, it was never to knock them. In, that, uh, in that, that interview with Michelle Beadle, I said all the time, they are special. They are specialists. I couldn't do it. It is a skill. I have so much respect, but I don't, I said I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh yes, you could. And I was like, okay, let me phrase this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to fucking talk about football and blah, blah. So that's not what I want to do, right? So like for him, he's like, well, you should want to. And I was like, no, that's not cool. That that's, that, that's not the idea because what I want to do is call an NBA finals one day, right? And I'm not going to do that sitting in a studio talking about hosting all the time. I want to host shows and I'm not going to do that sitting in a studio just being an analyst. And when I say just being an analyst, it's not a knock. That's that, you know, when you're saying just an analyst, that's an analyst across all sports, especially on their shows. So I just wanted to make sure that people understood that, like, when you call my approach lazy or when he says that, I, that it couldn't be any further from the truth is an actual lie. And it's it's, you know, one thing that you know about this alley, when athletes enter into the space, it doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer, doesn't matter if you're good, if you're not. The one word that is like the, the kryptonite is that if an athlete comes in and thinks he's an athlete. And if an athlete comes in and is lazy, doesn't show up on time. So for me, I took a little bit of offense to that, a lot of offense to that word, because when I started working hard in this industry, that was part of the reason why I had success. They're like, well, most athletes don't do that. Most athletes, most athletes don't, you know, come in and be on production calls at 5 a.m. for get up, you know, or every morning at 7 a.m. when I'm on a production call for NBA, NBA Today. The, the typical athletes don't do that. Uh, but I'm not trying to be typical, but that's part of the reason why I've had success. So I love my guy, Shannon Sharp. He's the OG, all respect. And this is just, this is purely just, you know, 
you know, sports talk TV, but I wanted to make sure that we set the record straight of like, as long as you live, do not ever refer to me as lazy, just just because my approach and what I want well to specialize set. in and is I think, different um, I love that you took this opportunity, especially on the first ever player-driven podcast that was ever created at your own platform. Um, I will say, yeah, again, right. I, I have shared this with you. I have the utmost respect uh, for Shannon Sharp and his partner and Skip Bayless, who have allowed me to come on their show during my time in Cleveland um, to talk. They were very welcoming to me. They've always been good to me. Um, and, and I respect the grind and the hustle of so many in our industry, which to your point is something very different um, than what you're wanting to do, Rich. And, and I say this not from a bias standpoint, and many people will say, oh, she's biased because she works with them. Uh, yeah, there might be a little bit of that, but I've also seen uh, for the last over a handful of years, your grind and your hustle. And I'm not going to show your cards, but it's well documented the things that you have done outside of even just basketball. Yeah. Uh, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. I and was for, pissed off for someone I'm like me, tired, who, who does a lot I'm of the tired, behind the bro. scenes Shannon, for talk. road tripping, and that's only one of the 97 things that you do, I struggle sometimes to even get you here because you're so busy doing everything but being lazy. And so I think it's important, though in today's day and age of the new media that we like to call it, um, that, that you speak on yourself and what it is that you've put the work in for and, and kind of at times set the record straight because uh, I think that so many things can be taken out of context. So many things can be misconstrued and, and it's important because guess what? At the end of the day, you aren't lazy and you don't need people out there thinking that. <laughs> well, well, and, and then I, well, well, you were the person that gave me, you were the battery in my back, in my back that was like, you got to address this. And I was like, man, I don't, like, it's exhausting because once I do it, then there's a rebuttal and then fans get involved in the shows and all the chirping. But you were like, Richard, you have to get involved. And I'm like, why? You're like, Richard, everyone in basketball knows that you're not. People at ESPN know that you're not lazy. People in basketball know that you're not lazy, all these other things. But what about the executive? What about the person that doesn't know you? What about the person? Yeah, they might do their home homework, but for a guy like Shannon Sharp, who deservingly so has a huge platform and has done an amazing job in his transition, like his 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 words carry weight. So if somebody only sees that out of context and there is an opportunity for a job and he's like, well, I heard somewhere that Richard was lazy and he might not even know where he heard it from or the context in which he heard it from. They just hear that. So that so so I, I felt like I was put in a position to like defend myself. And I was like, not I didn't give a damn. I was like, yo, this is just it. But you're like, no, Richard, those words in reference to you need to be addressed. So thank you. And it's always good to have people on your team that fucking know. And just know, so you know, half the conversations that Rich has with me <laughs> are sometimes one-sided and they have nothing to do with basketball. This man I have told him over and over is very underpaid. Yes, he's comfortable with hoops. He's played it his entire life. He knows it like the back of his hand. He can do it in his sleep, but he can give you so much more about life. He just isn't in that space just yet. I told him he should run for mayor. Having said oh. that, moving on, <laughs> moving no. on, the right, educated no. self that you are, no. props to you, respect. No. Let's take a quick time out because we have a few great products that we want to tell you about this week. Listen, road trippers, you still dreaming about that trip to see your favorite team this summer? Well, if we told you NerdWallet can help you take that first step to making a dream a reality, NerdWallet's team of nerds research hundreds of the top credit card mortgages and more so you can easily compare and find what's right for you. And since you're already making those plans to see your squad in action, let's bring along a friend. NerdWallet can help you find travel reward cards with a sign-up bonus to use on a hotel for the whole crew. 
Ready to compare your way there? Take the first step by discovering the smartest credit cards, mortgages, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NMLS 1617539. All right, road trippers, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Our entire crew loves it, and we know you will too. Prize Picks has the best prop game across the market, whether it's the Stanley Cup Finals, Major League Baseball, or NFL Week One games. They offer more props than any other DFS operator, and they offer every player and stat category that you can think of. Want to get in the game now? There's plenty going on. All new users that make their first deposit and use the promo code ROADTRIPPIN will receive an instant 100% deposit match up to $100. All you have to do is pick two to five players and select an over-under on their daily projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks even allows mixed sport entries. Use the award-winning Prize Picks app either on the App Store or Google Play today. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Sign up today and enjoy a special bonus offer on us. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code ROADTRIPPIN or go to your App Store and download the app today. Remember, Road Trippers, Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Um, you mentioned something a little bit ago, and it actually kind of sparked my, my brain cells um, to ask you about this. The quote from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I thought was incredible. I don't know if you saw it. He went on a uh, talk show just recently and, and made the comment mm -hmm. that he's still the all-time leading scorer in the yeah. NBA, having only made one three. We know the story. There's a lot of respect between him and LeBron. This is mm -hmm. not an opportunity to compare the two of them. Let's make that clear. Yeah, yeah. Having said that, though, when you hear that, it's when you actually take a second to hear that, that is wild that he scored that many points. That is buckets. Are we kidding? I'll do, I, and, and I'll, yeah, and I'll do, and, I'll, and, and that's, and that's part of the thing where like people don't understand like, there is a there is a lot it's my of favorite NBA pettiness petty between, NBA uh, is my the, favorite the, NBA the NBA when they talk about how needless how, yeah the NBA the the, the 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 NBA is the best sports league in the world because of the drama right like there's drama in all sports that's part <laughs> of it but the NBA is just relentless it just doesn't stop like the finals just ended <laughs> we're arguing about Steph Curry now free agency like the draft is about to happen so all the <laughs> shitty teams that haven't been talked about for the last fucking two months now it's their time it's like it's us this is what we're going to talk about they're going to talk about Orlando and they're going to talk about OKC and they're going to talk about all those things and then after that we got to go do summer league so mm -hmm. what I like about this is that guys are petty and I mean that in the most utmost respect. Uh, they're just competitive. So competitiveness brings out pettiness, and that's what it is. Because even George Gervin, when Clay Thompson broke the quarter record, I think most points ever in a quarter. Uh, I know uh, uh, Kevin has most points ever in a first quarter, but Clay had 37 maybe in a quarter, and he broke George Gervin's record. Broke George Gervin's record. Difference was. George Gerving, who was one of the great shooters, one of the great scorers that we've ever seen, the Iceman, one of the coolest nicknames in the history of sports, <laughs> he didn't have a three-point line. So he scored 37 points without a three-point line in a quarter. Like, and so, like, that's not to knock the players here. It's just to give context of how hard it was to do 37 points without a three-point line, to score 37,000 points without a three-point shot. Like, do you know how, like, ridiculous that is? And so, you know, 
it, it just it just I think it, the cool thing about it is that it's petty. It's a little back and forth. It's all good and fun. But I think the best mm-hmm. part about it is that it gives people context. Right. It gives people context like he had to grind for every bucket, every hook, every uh, everything. Speaking of petty, so shout I, out to I our guy, James awesome. Worthy, when um, the Warriors won. You saw that tweet from Big Game. He did that. First of all, he did the night night to Boston. What do you say? <laughs> he has a, a selfie of himself uh, with the TV yeah. in the background. Yeah. Night night. And then he also did the choke for Cedric Maxwell. They've had their little yeah. thing. They go back and forth. But the. Uh, I mean, there is nothing like, and that's something I've learned since being here in L.A., that rivalry between Boston and L.A., it doesn't even matter. Like, the Lakers weren't even in the playoffs this year, and they, big game, and rightfully so. My God, he's a legend, right? My favorite ever. But the way in which he talks and talks and talks about Boston, it is, it's incredible. Um, There's nothing like it. Oh, it's, 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 dude, Boston, so the best rivalries in sports. Thank you. It's Ohio State, Michigan, and football. It Duke, is, North Carolina, is, and college basketball. Is, um, yep. North Carolina, Duke, and basketball, and basketball, college basketball. In in baseball, it's Yankees, Red Sox. In uh, it doesn't mean there's not other rivalries, but those What's are the NFL? winners. And in basketball, it's Celtics versus Lakers. So they don't. NFL, the biggest rivalry in the NFL. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if they because there's a lot of great legacy franchises in the NFL. I don't know if there's is it one just the Patriots that stands out, just you them. Know, I don't think there is one. No, 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 because that that's oh, that's, that's recency bias. Days. That's recency bias because you look at you know there's the Steelers. No, I know, but I'm just I'm just saying there's the you know the Steelers and what they've been able to do. Where for, do the Browns for a long fall on that too, list? So I can't just give it to them. <laughs> We're not. Oh uh, yeah, we're, we, uh, the Browns. We. <laughs> to all my Cleveland people out there, I love you. My son was born in Cleveland. Um, all right, let's talk about before we wrap this up. Um, free agency. The draft is obviously happening. Um, shout out to all of those uh, on, on a day like today. I could only imagine how special it is. Obviously, you got to experience that yourself. Um, but I know when it comes to the free agency perspective and talk. The Kyrie Irving situation. You call games for the Brooklyn Nets. We spent time with Kyrie. You were a teammate. I I covered him in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Um, Could this, let me just ask you this. Obviously everyone knows what's going on, but if you don't, the Lakers are considered the most significant threat right now for Kyrie Irving per Adrian Wojnarowski. Kyrie to the Lakers free agency. Could you see it happening? Could you see LeBron and Kyrie playing yes. NBA basketball games on the same team again? 100% because it goes back to our petty argument. Basketball players are petty when they, you know, there's like, oh, when you break up with your ex and then you start dating someone and you're like, oh, they not that cute. And it's like, will you take me back? Yeah, I'll take you back. Right? Like that's, that's like the NBA is high school drama. The NBA is high school drama. Kyrie had his most successful years playing next to LeBron. LeBron had some of his most historic years, right, and were so important to what he accomplished in his life playing next to Kyrie. The only thing, it doesn't matter. The, the, it's about Kyrie. It doesn't matter where Kyrie is. It doesn't matter if he's in Brooklyn. It doesn't matter if he's in L.A. It doesn't matter where Kyrie is. It's all dependent on Kyrie. Like, I'm not going to get into, like, you know, the whole vaccine. Like, no, no, no. Kyrie would not be leaving Brooklyn 
if Kyrie had performed at the level that he's capable of for multiple years. So now the Brooklyn Nets are hesitant to give him a long-term deal. And he's playing next to the sec the first, second, or third best player in the world, depending on what month it is and how they're playing. You know, it's Giannis, it's Braun, it's it's Embiid, it's it, it's KD, just depending on what month it is. So, like, if he's playing with KD and, and, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, the Brooklyn Nets were like, like, you know, we just don't feel comfortable. I saw a thing the other day on Twitter where they were like, Looney played more games this season alone, this year, than Kyrie has in his three years with the Nets. And that's like, I get injuries, I get the stuff, but it's just like, yo, if Kyrie comes to LA and plays 70 games and is healthy for a playoff run, yes, the Lakers are a contender. If Kyrie comes here and play, come, goes to LA and plays 52 games and, you know, you know, you know, has some things that are, you know, whatever going on or that he is dealing with, there is no difference. There is no difference in, in you know, that because the Nets don't want to let him go, but you have to earn things. When you start feeling entitled, you know, um, and Kyrie's talent has earned him a max contract. But there are other things that have gone on that have made the Nets hesitant and have probably made the other teams hesitant. It doesn't question his talent Ooh, and talent. I like that line. Uh, to your point of Kavon Looney playing more games than Kyrie. Kyrie has played in only 46% of the games over his last three seasons. Uh, he has missed more than he has played. Having said that, I, I think that if you're the Lakers when it comes to this, Rich, what do you need? And you have a meeting with Kyrie. What do you need to hear from Kyrie Irving to convince you? Uh, I, I need one. I need Kyrie to to discuss his communication. If there's something going on in your life, if there's ever a moment where you need a moment or a break, you have to communicate it. Because that was one of the big things that happened when they, in the I think his first year playing with Steve Nash as the head coach. Uh, it was, you know, Kyrie took some time off, blah, blah, was going through some things personally, which I respect. He should be allowed to have time off. But ultimately, there was a lack of communication there. And I think that that, that was a part that I, I, I think, you know, I can't speak on it from the Nets, like, consistently, like, because like, I, I wasn't on a part of the, the inside of that. But I just think you need communication from Kyrie. Like, sometimes players, and for instance, let's use Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony was out the league, not because of his talent. He was come, he's out the league because of his approach, and, and he was struggling to adapt to what teams wanted his role to be, right? They're like, bro, you're not a 25-point-a-game scorer anymore. Like, you might be better coming off the bench, going against second units and being a scorer, Ugh, coming off the bench, coming off the bench. And then he found himself out the league. Then, after humbling himself and as a first-ballot Hall of Famer, he worked his way back into the league and accepted that role and then excelled in it, then excelled in it extended his career by five six more years right like so i think when you look at Kyrie, um it's like hey like let, let you have to be honest with yourself everyone is telling you x right like hey this is what you you this is what we need from you and so if Kyrie's going to adapt to what the lakers need from him then great but this is all about Kyrie. it's always going to be about Kyrie, and you know um, someone said like, oh, look, Kyrie's not, you know, he said that basketball is not the most important thing to him. That, that, that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing to hear. Now, now for Kyrie, that's okay. I, I know lots of players that were like, this is my job. 
This is what I'm going to go do. I'm a professional and I go do it to the best of my ability, but it's not the most important thing. That's tough because there are players where it is the most important thing. So, like, it's not just for the players who is it is the most important thing for them to adapt to a player that says, like, hey, I'm a professional and I do my job professionally, but it's not the most important thing to me. It's not just for those guys to adapt to Kyrie. It's also a Kyrie's job to adapt to them. It is a mutual relationship of, like, you got to understand me How much do you think with Kyrie saying that it's not the most important thing, though, is just a way in which to get across – how important it is to him to be more than just a basketball player and make sure people understand that. Because because I just struggle. The only reason why I say this is, and I, I feel I very fortunate it, to have covered him early on in his career, and there was so much. I feel like there were so many different versions of Kyrie because of that maturation process. And, and obviously, you know, his first two years, LeBron is out of Cleveland, and they didn't win a lot of games, and he was young in the league and had only played 11 games at Duke, right? And there was so much to learn, and then LeBron comes back, and so much changes. Obviously, I went through that myself as a reporter, but... I saw so many different layers and levels, and then you take it to just even the finals year that you guys won it. And between games one through four and five through seven, you saw a completely different Kyrie. And my my question to you is just like, at this point, I wonder, Mm -hmm. because there's this emotional and, you know, very genuine deep side of Kyrie that I think that so many would appreciate and do appreciate. You know, he's shown ways in which he's impacting outside of basketball, et cetera. But I wonder sometimes if people misunderstand and they just take that for such a surface um, thing that he said in terms of it's not the most important thing to him. I, I think that basketball is very important to him. And don't think that just because he says it's not the most important thing to him, that it's not important to him. Yeah, that's a bit. You want to know how important it is to Kyrie? There is no thing that is harder for a professional athlete than to train away from your team and then come in game ready. Kyrie Mm -hmm. was away from his team for months, and that man showed up in shape, ready to go. They're like, oh, we're going to give him three, four days, and then he started coming out dropping 40, 50 balls, highly efficient. You cannot do that yeah. unless you are dedicated, unless you are working like that is your the most important thing to you. He is saying that mentally and emotionally, that might not be the only thing mm-hmm. he focuses on, right? Like when I go home, I watch my basketball, I do my work, and then I focus in on other things. And sometimes there are things that are more important, right? Whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, being an activist, whether it's donations, like he's done so much for the community. And I think that's what he's talking about is like, look, basketball will come and go. There'll be another player this. But if I can make a legacy that is outside of basketball, that to me is what's most important. And I saw, I forgot who it was. It was, you know, it was said, um, I got who, maybe it's Isaiah Thomas. I can't remember, but in his tweet bio, it says, if basketball is all I'm yeah. remember for, then mm-hmm. I failed. Right? And I think that that's so powerful. He's saying that, look, look, I've been given a platform. I am a father. I am a, I am a husband. I have, you know, if basketball is only thing that you remember me for, then I did not do my job. And I think Kyrie falls in Obviously that line where, that like, that's how Keeping their eye on um, as well, the both of us. All right, before we wrap this up, because I know you have to run, you have a busy day ahead of you, you have everything with the draft, et cetera, and then you get to go hang out with your BFFs. Um, I was going to go one way, but I'm going to actually go another. And I think we should give our guy, though it's not done yet, and I saw his story on Instagram, and it was one more win. 
Can you give some love to Josh Kroenke? Josh. Holy, what Josh, a Josh. year, what a time to be Josh Kroenke. <laughs> no, this, the, 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 first of all, I love Josh. That is, the, he is, he is a, like a brother to me, right? Like we've known each other since we were 22, 23 years old. But this dude, and this is why I, like, I wanna for be happy it. for him, but I'm a part of his success. <laughs> I'm so happy for him. I'm petty. I'm petty. But like the reason so Josh Kroenke, who is a friend of the podcast, he's been on here so many times. He is the governor for the Denver Nuggets and for the Colorado Avalanche and works with the Arsenal and family owns the Rams. So they won the Super Bowl. And family now owns the Broncos, Um, right? They have the two time MVP. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, no, that's that's the other side of his family. That That's the other side of his family. Like, that's like his okay, uncles okay, okay, and yeah, stuff yeah, like right. that. Respect, it's different. Respect. It's different. Right? This is his dad. This is dad okay. and his mom. Respect. They're they're, they're different. They're they're different. And different. And so they own, the, they, own, they own the Rams, and then they went, the, you know, they moved the Rams. There's a whole thing. They open up a new stadium, win the Super Bowl. After losing the Super Bowl. So I was there when they lost in Atlanta. Uh, and so wins the Super Bowl. And then what does he do? He has the back-to-back MVP in Jokic. And again, those guys could have very easily been in the finals, like if they were fully healthy. Then what does he do? He just builds an amazing team in Colorado. And now the Avalanche are one win away from winning a Stanley Cup. He's and this is the part where I get grumpy. He also beat me in the <laughs> that's all he wanted to this year. That's the part where he's like, I won the fan. That's all he wanted to talk about. That's all he wanted to talk about. Like, you know, I, I fucking won the fantasy football. Yeah, I beat Rich. I've been the, that was his first time in the final. I've been in the final three times. I've lost all three, very similar to my normal life. Uh, but the best part about the final and why everybody in the league was was rooting against me is that whenever you win the final, because we do like a location one where we travel, we've done stuff. So um, whenever you win the final, you get to pick yeah. where the location is for the draft. So everyone's <laughs> like, where are we going, Josh? Where Are we picking up on the, the Jumbotron in, in SoFi Stadium? Like, where where are we doing the fantasy football league? And so Josh is excited. Josh is excited. But, yeah, but look, one more win. One more win, and then we can really do it. I know there's guys, there's guys like in our fantasy football league that are like in Tampa Bay, like watching games. I think it might be the next one, game five. Game five is in Colorado. So like, that's so crazy. It, it's it's good for him. That is so wild. Him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hell of a run. That's a, but but this is this is the thing that I love about Josh. Josh is one of those guys. We talk about legacy. We talk about Steph. We talk about Clay. Josh is in that same mold. Well, yes, he did come from a very very affluent background but he has worked his ass off he has worked his tail off to get where he has gotten and and to have success because we've seen franchises all sports be trit shitty for 10 years 15 years for so for him to be able to manage all of these sports and be able to contribute to these communities to contribute to the success of these franchises and these players that is a compliment to him and his work ethic. And I think Absolutely. that's something that should be. Shout out to you, also. Josh Kroenke. Um, all right, Rich. Shut up, Josh. We're going to close out on um, today right. is the 50th anniversary of Title IX being signed into oh. law. Yes. Shout out. Celebrate it. Awesome. I, 
we're going to end up we're going to celebrate it because I was thinking about this I was thinking about this the other day and you know we applaud women's sports and I, I love it during the Olympics when they show all the medals and the U.S. women's teams win uh, in the Olympics and world championships and you like you look at the U.S. women's national soccer team you look at the women's basketball national team you look at so many different sports teams that are like prides for this country and that's because we had to put a damn law in place we put a law in place which allowed for us to be prideful of our country think about that like we had to put a law in place that says you're going to give women the same opportunity and now we pat ourselves on the back and it's like look at our like because my favorite team like my favorite uh national team is the u.s women's you know soccer team and you look at the WNBA, and you look at all of these athletes the the mia hams the, the serena williams like all of these great players and i don't know about serena's past because i think she like turned pro at 11 but like so many opportunities have been afforded to to women because of title nine and it still blows my mind that like your mom my mom they didn't have title nine growing up they didn't have it it would like you know my you know my mom is is, is damn near 70. so like title nine didn't really get into in place until she was well you know well on her well on her way past you know what i'm saying so like for me it's just such a special thing and it's also still mind-blowing that it was only 50 years ago like I'm 42, mm-hmm. like I'm 42. Like it, it, the impact of these things, like we don't know. And I think we should really look at our history when we decide what we're doing moving forward, because is this something that we're gonna be proud of in 50 years? Or is this something that we're gonna look back on and say, hey, we should have done it differently. And Title IX is something that should be, it should be talked about every single year, uh, how important You bring up a great point of the fact that we had to put a law in place, but I guess I'm just most proud of the ones that fought for it because I am not here today without those that came before me. It's something that every single day I recognize and I do not Mm -hmm. take for granted. Those that came before me who showed me that it could be done, uh, those that I get to be alongside today for those that come after us. It, it is something that is very special. It's important. It's ne- it's necessary. Yes. Um, and it just speaks opportunity at the highest. Uh, and so truly respect. And, and I'm very proud of, of that um, and what today stands for. And remember this, if the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court hasn't had to make a ruling about your life, you are privileged. Mm. And on that, Just that's how we will that. end this edition of Road Tripping. All right, Road Trippers, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Our entire crew loves it, and we know you will too. Prize Picks has the best prop game across the market, whether it's the Stanley Cup Finals, Major League Baseball, or NFL Week One games. They offer more props than any other DFS operator, and they offer every player and stat category that you can think of. Want to get in the game now? There's plenty going on. All new users that make their first deposit and use the promo code Road Trippin will receive an instant 100% deposit match up to $100. All you have to do is pick two to five players and select an over under on their daily projections. And you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks even allows mixed sport entries. Use the award winning Prize Picks app either on the App Store or Google Play today. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Sign up today and enjoy a special bonus offer on us. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code ROADTRIPPIN or go to your App Store and download the app today. Remember, Road Trippers, prize picks is daily fantasy made easy.